I want to talk to you guys today about first words. First words. Because I think sometimes uh, the first words that people choose to speak are very important. They're crucial. First words. Now, you might be wondering if I'm going to be talking about the first words that babies say. Okay, does anybody remember? Does anyone know? You maybe not don't remember. Do you know what your first word was when you were a baby? Put your hand up if you know. No? I thought people kept baby books or something, you know, with this information written down. Um, What about if you have children? Do you remember what they said as their first word, maybe? Some of us do, okay, yeah. Um, Sometimes it's, we have some fun trying to make a big deal, place a lot of importance on maybe what babies say as their first word. I I would argue that um, there's only one data point that you can glean from what a baby says. And and usually, what's the first, there's usually two different words that are the most common for babies to say first. What are they? Mama and dada, okay, yeah. Um, Mom and dada. The only thing I think, if if a baby says one of those two, the only thing you learn is which parent was more competitive. Um, which one had more access to the kid, pre- rehearsed it, you know, over and over again. I don't think there's anything uh, to really glean from that. But babies, babies' first words, they can be cute. They're a wonderful moment when they, they utter that first thing that's almost a word, maybe, and then you write it down. Um, but we, we usually don't make too big of a deal. I, I don't think, anyway. You know, it's not like, um, you know, a little girl says dog as her first word and people are like oh she's gonna be a veterinarian oh okay or like a little boy says ball and like oh he's gonna play for the Cavs someday this is gonna be amazing or a girl says uh, photosynthesis and we're like oh she's gonna be a scientist yeah it's gonna be great right uh, the first word that a baby says doesn't really like set the tone uh, for their entire life I don't think but but it's it's those first words when, when, we, when we hear first words from somebody who really has the capability to uh, think through what they want to say with great intention to communicate something important, we pay more attention to those kinds of first words. Like we, we pay attention and remember maybe the first line that an author uses in a book or the first line from a movie that kind of maybe sets the tone, or maybe like the first line from a, from a political campaign speech or, or, or something like that. We kind of hang on to those things and think that they're important. Because first words set a tone and they communicate what is most important. So today we're gonna hear the first words of Jesus. On Good Friday, uh, we looked at the final words of Jesus, what he deemed important enough to say as he was dying. Now we're going to see what does Jesus choose to say um, in two different beginnings, we would say, of his life. What does he choose to say at the start of his ministry? How does he set the tone for that? And also, what does he choose to say as his first words when he's out of the tomb? on Easter and the days following. That's going to be our focus for today. So what were the first words Jesus used when he began his mission? I think we can learn a lot about Jesus with what he chooses to say at this key moment in his time on the earth. And I'm not talking about 
um, the words of baby Jesus, right? The first words that baby Jesus spoke uh, in the stable, because I think we all know probably what he said first was, hey, mom, this manger is really uncomfortable, okay? That's, we, I can't prove that, but I, I think there's good evidence that that's what he said first. Uh, no, we don't know what he said as an infant, but we do know what he said when he was 30 years old, and he's kicking off his ministry. And we know this thanks to guys like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who have recorded them in their gospel accounts of the life of Jesus. So we're going to look and see uh, what do these guys uh, tell us? How do they recount the words that Jesus chose to kick off his ministry? Mark tells us that Jesus said this first, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. These are quite the words to use, right? There's a lot packed in. These are carefully chosen words, a carefully crafted message. What Jesus is saying is, this is the exact point in history that God has chosen to launch his plan of salvation for the world. The time is fulfilled. Now the kingdom of God, God is going to be reigning in the world now through Jesus. Jesus is a king. He has come to bring the reign of God. He has come to start redeeming people from their sins uh, and restoring all things to the way that they ought to be. Then he says, repent and believe the gospel. Repent. That's a, that's a word that just means uh, to turn. To turn away from something else and to turn back to God. This is good news. The gospel, that's what that word means. It means good news. He's telling us to turn away from our sin. And this is not, when we use the word sin, it's not like just a list of the wrong things that we do. Um, that's more the symptoms of our sin. It's more of a, it's a condition inside of us. Uh, and so Jesus is saying, you know, I am coming not just to treat the symptoms. I have come to heal the disease of sin. And so he invites people to turn away from their sin, to turn away from the ways of the world, to turn away from anything else that is contrary to God, and to turn back to God. And to believe in the gospel, to believe that God is saving them. This is a, a lot is packed in, as I said, to this first statement of Jesus. Now, in, a, in another gospel, Luke tells us that Jesus, uh, very early in his ministry, at the very beginning, he went back to his hometown synagogue. And they said, Jesus, welcome back. Would you read the scriptures for us today? They hand him the scroll. They, had, they didn't have iPads back then. They had scrolls and gave him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he's reading, this is no coincidence, by the way, he's reading uh, a prophecy, a promise of what the Savior would come and do. So Jesus gets to read these words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus says this. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Whatever they used for a microphone back then, after he said that, he dropped it, right? He says, yep, that's about me. 
I am the one who's going to bring these things. This is happening right now. It's an amazing thing that Jesus says. I'm bringing God's kingdom into this world right now. In John's gospel, we learn about a very early conversation that Jesus has with, with two men who would become his disciples. Uh, so Jesus is just about ready to kick off his ministry. Uh, you know, his cousin, John the Baptist, he's been, uh, he's the front man. He's preparing everybody for Jesus. And one day, John's doing his thing. He's preaching, and he sees Jesus over there, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then some of the people that heard this, they go over and like, go check this guy out, right? So two people that they go over and they ask Jesus, well, hey, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and you will see. This is not just like Jesus saying, yeah, come and we'll chat for a while. Jesus is a, this is an invitation that Jesus gives to come and follow, to come and hear his words, to come and see the things that he's going to be doing in this world. You know, come and have a front row seat to the rescue mission of salvation for the sins of the world. Come along. Come and you will see. This is an invitation, not just for the people that lived 2,000 years ago. This is an invitation for us too to come and see what Jesus is up to. Come and see what he's done. Come and see what he still says to you today. Come and you will see. So Jesus has started off his mission to save the world. And as we know from from walking with Jesus here this past week. I mean, his mission goes to some pretty dark places. It's, it, there's a lot going on, but his mission um, culminates at the cross on Good Friday and at the tomb on Easter Sunday. And so in the cross and the empty tomb, Jesus makes good on all the things that he has said. Because these first words that he has said, he has, he's made some big claims. He's made some big promises, and he makes good on them. That's the amazing thing. By his death on the cross, by his resurrection from the grave, he has completed his mission. He has fulfilled all things. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. You guys were ready on that one. Very good. All right. The first words of Jesus are big ones, and he backs them up with the cross and the empty tomb. But I think what, what is uh, also very interesting and very important at setting a tone and helping us learn more about Jesus and what his death and his resurrection means for us are the first words that he says after his resurrection. Because you, you, would, you would think that, you know, after after completing the mission, after doing everything that he came to do, he's strolling out of the tomb victorious on Easter morning. Um, I think we would do well to pay special attention to what he says now in light of having won the victory over sin, death, and the devil. So what, what does Jesus say first? Well, Matthew tells us that he says these words to the women who came to the tomb early on Easter morning. He says, do not be afraid. But really, can I, can I tell you guys that I think there's a better way to translate this? If I can, if you can forgive me, just forgive me in advance for um, being a show-off like, that I know the Greek language, okay? I, I had to go to seminary and learn this, so I like to show you guys sometimes. 
Instead of do not be afraid, I think a better way to translate that would be stop being afraid. You, you see the difference there? Do not be afraid. Like, usually when someone has told me in my life, like, don't be afraid, um, I'm already afraid. <laughs> Too late, right? Um, so stop being afraid is, is more accurate. And I would argue that uh, these women, they're already afraid. Now, why would they be afraid on Easter morning? Well, think about this. They did not expect to come and find out that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Okay, they're confused, right? It doesn't dawn upon them right away, like, well, the tomb is empty, you know? Someone must have stolen his body. I mean, I probably would have thought the same thing, so I'm not going to do that. But, but what, would, what would they be afraid of? Well, imagine for a moment that here this morning, uh, Jesus was still dead. Well, we, we wouldn't be here for one thing, but... What did you think about that, that little uh, alternate universe that Paul took us down in 1 Corinthians 15? Let me reread those words for us. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all, of all people most to be pitied. That's awful. I'd be scared too if that was the reality. I'd be terrified. I hesitate to say that I don't like certain parts of the Bible, but I don't like that part. But then Paul changes everything as he says this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits means there's going to be more, right? Jesus rises and the floodgates are open now. You and I are going to rise too. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So what do you have to be afraid of now, Jesus is saying? Stop being afraid. What, are you going to be afraid of death? Death can't hold you. Are you going to be afraid of Satan? No. What can he do to you now? Are you going to be afraid of your sins? They've been paid for. They're gone. Jesus says, stop being afraid. Your hope is still alive. Now, Jesus also says a few more things. Luke, these are like, they're like shorter, right? On the other side of the resurrection, he's, he's saying shorter phrases. He says, peace to you. I love this one because he's, he's not just uh, removed the fear, right? Stop being afraid. Um, he's replaced it with something, right? Fear gone and now peace. He gives you peace. This is not like some kind of superficial peace that only lasts for a little while. It's not like, oh, there's a conflict, but we're going to have like a ceasefire for a couple days or something. No, this is a lasting peace that only Jesus can provide. This is a peace that surpasses all understanding. This is a holistic kind of peace. You have been made whole now, Jesus says. You've been made right with God again. That sin that stands between you and God Gone. Relationships are restored with you and God, with you and one another. This is an all-encompassing peace, and Jesus gives it to you. This is your peace as well here on this Easter morning. This is the shortest one that Jesus says. He just says, Mary. It's the shortest, simplest one, but maybe the most profound. There's something about being called by name, isn't there? 
It's all well and good to be called dude, buddy, man, girl, pal. You know, that's not very personal or familiar, though. But when you're called by name, that's that's more intimate and personal, and, and you feel known. And so Mary Magdalene, on Easter morning, Uh, She's a close follower of Jesus. Her identity is as someone who trusts in Jesus and follows him. Now, she doesn't know who she is anymore as she shows up there on that morning. Her would-be savior is dead and gone, and there's just all kinds of uncertainty and unfamiliarity surrounding her. She thinks somebody took his body away. She sees the gardener and... We know the gardener, right, is Jesus himself, the risen Jesus. She doesn't recognize him. She asks him if he happens to know where the body of Jesus is. Well, as a matter of fact, he does know. And he says, Mary. And she hears that voice call her by name, the same one that has called her by name again and again, the same voice that has spoken words of peace and comfort and hope into her life. And everything changes. She is called by name again, and she knows her Savior lives, and everything's going to be okay. Jesus calls you by name also. You are his. Your future is taken care of now. You are known by God. He loves you. You belong to him. Now, the final thing that Jesus says that we're going to talk about here today, kind of the famous line of Jesus, we call it the Great Commission sometimes, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He's kicking off something new again, right? So he's got to have another first word to start something else off. And this is, uh, he's inviting his followers to join him in, in bringing this good news to all the world. Now, for those of us hearing this today, we might hear this in a couple different ways. The first way that we might hear this would be, um, maybe, maybe you're um, not someone who really follows Jesus. You're here today, or maybe you're someone that maybe hasn't um, walked with Jesus in recent years. Well, this is an invitation for you to follow him, to be a disciple of his, and to, to have him take your fears away and replace them with peace for you to hear Jesus call you by name. It's an invitation that is standing for you. For those of us maybe who who do follow Jesus, it's an invitation to follow him all the time, to hear his word again and again. It's just another invitation. Follow me in an ongoing way and hear my promises for you. The second main way to hear this final first word of Jesus is as an invitation to join him on this mission. Because if all the things that we've talked about here today are true, uh, we better tell some people about this, right? We better make sure those around us know what God has done for the world that he so loves. So it's an invitation to be part of Jesus' mission as it continues, as he graciously invites us to be part of that. The mission of Jesus continues. Jesus has changed everything. Our hope is in him because he is alive. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this Easter morning where we can come and give you thanks and praise for sending your son to die on the cross to rise again, take our fears away, replace them with peace so that we can be your own children, called by name and known as part of your family. Strengthen our faith in Jesus. Help us to follow him and trust in him and help us to know that in him our hope is sure and certain for the future. In Jesus' name, amen.